All right, hockey fans, listen up because we've got something special cooked up for playoff season. It's called the Daily Faceoff Playoff Parlay Challenge, and it's going to add some serious spice to your playoff experience. Now, here's the deal every playoff game, you're going to be faced with a handful of questions. It's like your own personal playoff puzzle, and it's free to join. And there are prizes because who doesn't love winning stuff? Daily winners, you're getting hooked up with gift cards. Treat yourself to some nation gear or maybe even your favorite jersey. And for the big dogs, the people who can win an entire round, it's straight, cold, hard cash. We're talking about real dough for your hockey knowledge. So lace up those skates, stretch those thumbs, and get ready to show off your hockey IQ in the daily face-off playoff parlay challenge. Sign up today and play every game day at games.dailyfaceoff.com and prove your puck prowess. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com achieve today. Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself and for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. I hate to break the fishing news up here, Amchuk, but I'd like to speak about the ice hockey. Congratulations, you're one of the 13 listeners of the Real Life Podcast. We just traded a migraine in for, like, an orgasm. Might want to mark that down, you're Yep. All of my projects are on schedule until they're not. A member of the Nation Network of Podcasts. About as funny as we're going to get today. Episode 239 of the Real Life Podcast. I'm Tyler, your Amchuk. Bag Milk's here. Chalmers is here, Jay is here, and I believe every member of the podcast is hung over today on a Monday morning. It is. This is the season. <laughs> the thing about my hangover, though, it's not from yesterday. It's from Saturday, and it's oh, from Friday. <laughs> and, like, I just didn't get over it yesterday, and you're just, you know, like, the, the second day when you just have zero desire, zero energy to do pretty much anything? Yep. Yeah, that's where I'm at right now. Hence why this is my very first podcast ever from not inside my truck. Yeah, I noticed that. I thought <laughs> I was upgrade here. I am at home and I am in my office and I am not coming you, out. You, you sound great, Chalmers. You do. You, you look. You don't look like a guy who's on a two day hangover. The bags under my eyes. The bags <laughs> uh, differ with you. <laughs> I'm. Uh, I'm with Chalmers. I'm. Uh, I'm feeling the effects of the weekend myself. This is part of. Uh, the, the aftermath of being subscribed to two advent calendars here on Chuck. I, uh, <laughs> I had to catch up on a few days and, uh, yeah, paid, uh, p- paying the price right now. I just, you know, I was having a little bit of a Sunday fun day and you know, when you start making Caesars and they just hit perfectly. Oh man. Sunday then, afternoon drinks that hit perfect. are the best. Yeah. Oh. And so one yeah. Caesar turned into six and then I'm like, well, I'm bloated. I should switch to beer. Cause that's responsible. And then, how does yeah. that help you with being bloated? Damn. Yeah, it no did it. Shit. It that did it. Be, well, <laughs> here's what I, I wanted to have a rum, but I didn't have any mix. So, like, I could have done the straight rums that Old Dangerous Way provided, but I wasn't in a fancy boy mood last night. I was getting piled up. But what if but you didn't think of maybe just then skip the dishes in, like, some dinner and getting them to bring you off? <laughs> I, I, did, I did think about that. But by the time <laughs> that thought rolled around in my head, it was already, like, 10 o'clock at night. And I'm like... All right, I'm probably at a solid eight and a half out of ten here. Do I really need? Do to I really need scale? the rums? Yeah. yeah. Well, uh, see, and the beer, like, the, I, literally, the beer is the only thing that gets me bloated. I'll have like two beers, and I'm, and I have to switch to anything else. I don't know how you go two beers <laughs> to stop from the bloat. Well, uh, Nation beers are delicious, man. Like, yeah. as soon as it hits my lips, it just goes down the hatch. I don't know uh, what you want from me. It just, I don't know. Maybe we have different. So it just hits us inside different. Mine just turns to foam. The minute it hits my mouth, <laughs> it's just a disgusting feeling. 
I was I, also doing shots of tequila last night at oh. like 11 o'clock. Like, it was bad. It was wow. Bad. You had a Sunday. It was <laughs> a runaway. I had a fucking rough betting day yesterday. <laughs> a real rough betting day. And I just like, it just, everything spiraled, spiraled from there. That's did you hit said. your, did you hit your uh, lock of the week? Can you? No, I didn't. I lost. I had, I think the spread was seven and a half and the Chiefs won by six. Oh, that pissed me off so much, man. Like that game. The field goal. There was a field goal. Yeah, they that kick game, a field goal to like bring it within six with 40 seconds left instead of like trying I to get the quick touchdown. I had the kicker uh, on my fantasy and I was just like, oh my God, they're, they're kicking a field goal. I can't believe it. Yeah, oh. so I lost that by a point and a half. And then Scott Hastings sends me a message saying he's fading bag milk this week. And then that game, I. I Normally, I would take them like I'm just starting to dabble in parlays, Chalmers. And so, normally, I've been going on money line on parlays, but I picked the spread on that specific one. So, that fucked my whole parlay yesterday. It was a bad, bad scene. You know, I had one, I had two of those this week where the the one game that you throw in just to keep the odds up just a bit, go and lose. Like the one sure thing that you're yeah. supposed to put on there. I fucking hate that. Like, and that's the problem with parlays is even if you like, you'll get one right that you probably shouldn't have and then get one wrong that you shouldn't have and it just screws everything up. I, <laughs> shout out to Jay, who was the only one who got his pick of the week correct. With uh, I'm coming in hot. Washington plus three. Strong. Bagged Milk missed his by a point. I missed mine by a point. <laughs> uh, Chalmers, you missed your pick by roughly... 23? Yeah, yeah, around uh, a little more than that, about 31 <laughs> points. That... <laughs> Dude, the Bears, like, they've been so bad. And then what are they going to put up 37? Can we talk about my betting couple weeks has felt a lot like Dan Bailey's kicking for the Minnesota Vikings? Brutal. <laughs> Where the commentators on the radio are literally being like, he's broken. Get him out of there. He's broken. And they're just <laughs> freaking out. Dude missed four field goals yesterday to mix with the two or three, I think, last week. Oh man, you got to be feel bad. After. Yeah. So yeah, and then last week, last week, Mike Zimmer, their coach, said, you know, like we're not worried about him. We're gonna, we're gonna, you know, we're gonna just, we're gonna stick with him. We're gonna let him work out of this. And then after the game yesterday, he said, we're not worried about feelings anymore. And this dressing room basically saying, like, we like no. the guy, but he is gone. <laughs> he gone. That's uh, too much. It, it's yeah, worth noting that Scott Hastings only went one for three. So in week thirteen, our group. Went six and one with our picks, and this week we went two and five. So uh, not a great week, um, but I that's mean, the way she goes. Though, yeah, sometimes you know, sometimes it do be that spread way. hard. It is. Then the spread is fucking hard. It is hard. It really is. Yeah, it's basically like you're trying to give yourself a sixty percent chance of winning these bets by doing research and shit. Like that's all you're really trying to do. Um, all right. This hungover edition of the Real Life Podcast is brought to you by our friends at Oodle Noodle, who could probably cure your hangover as well. I think their food is that good. Check them out. 14 locations in Edmonton. 15 is coming out in Fort Saskatchewan, which is good news for people who live in Fort Saskatchewan. Uh, we got a listener profile this week, and uh, it's one of the guys who's in our fantasy football league with us here on the podcast, and the playoffs for that start next week. But Electronic Jordan is our listener profile. Uh, he installs installs and programs home theater and automation systems, you know, speakers in the ceilings, TVs on the wall, iPads that can turn your lights, l- lights on, that kind of stuff. Uh, he uh-huh. lives in Calgary. He's lived in the Calgary area his whole life. He's got a wife, two kids. He's a big technology nerd. Um, he adds in here that any sufficiently advanced technology will be indistinguishable from magic, which feels like something that belongs on a T-shirt. He's a huge NFL Wait, fan. Wait, whoa, 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 whoa. <laughs> Say that again. <laughs> he, I, I read whatever they put in here. So yeah, he I know. Says, I mean, I, you slow it down too. Any sufficiently advanced technology will be indistinguishable from magic. Oh, okay. <laughs> Nerd alert! So, did he give us a number? Very, yeah. Uh, I, I don't think he gave us a number. Like a phone number? No, no. So. <laughs> Oh, a number. His name is very on brand, which I respect. But so is that in that statement? Is he saying really good technology is 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 at the same level as magic? Yeah, yeah. You won't know how it works. Always above technology in the world will be so mind blowing that it will feel like magic. Is what I assume that he's saying there. 
Well, I, I would agree with that. Go back to 1995 and show them your iPhone. They'll blow their fucking minds to their skulls. How yeah. are four people talking to each other right now and hearing each other through little tiny, tiny earbuds? I don't understand how vibration of sound makes perfect music come out of these things. Never we're understand it. And we're bouncing off satellites and shit because we're this is phone calls and FaceTimes. And, and you can't get pop for a rum at fucking <laughs> 4 o'clock in an afternoon on a Sunday. Uh, <laughs> that, that's not magic. Uh, <laughs> that's, that's pure. The magic is just, there's an app to fix that problem. Uh, right, well, so. electronic, electronic Jordan, just wait. He changed his name on our thing. That's. I can't find him. What's his What's his team name again on this? I don't know. He says he's a yeah. huge NFL fan, and he's a Patriots fan, so he adds that Bills, oh. Browns, and Cardinals can suck it, which is just a yeah. very rude thing to say. Also, the Patriots are hot garbage this year. Uh, says, oh. not, much, not much of a hockey fan, but a big, in all capitals, Oilers fan. Uh, he says he doesn't really care what else happens in the league. Uh, as for when he started right. listening to the podcast, he says he didn't listen to any podcasts until he heard the episode where Wanye swooned over Jordan Eberly, and he hasn't missed an episode since. His favorite podcast moment, he says there's not a single moment, but when we go completely <laughs> off the rails, he loves it, yelling about <laughs> parking, fishing, or whatever. Uh, anyway, his, his name on the season, <laughs> or on the fantasy football, is this season not going great. Five and eight. Not doing not doing well like John Jordan. Peak Chalmers just bulldozing through your little rant there. He had no interest in hearing the rest of that profile. I thought he straight up, I thought he, I couldn't hear a word he was saying. He was totally uh, frozen. Oh, really? That's why I said since. I was like, is anybody going to talk? Sounding very awkward. I was definitely talking the whole time. You legit (laughs) cut out to me. You were not, you were not there to me. Uh, All right. Well, uh, I'll have to listen to that one back and see how that one went because there is, I feel like that was magic or really bad software technology. Yeah. Um, he added that, that not he, magic. he added that he loves when Wanye Jay and Chalmers tell tales of the old days, waxing poetic about the great times they had 15 years ago. Um, as for his favorite Oilers moment, when he was a younger man between 2000 and 04, uh, Jason Smith was building a house in Calgary and his father got the contract to do the house said Gator gave him tickets to a battle of Alberta. They drove up to Edmonton. He also gave them tickets to the morning skate. So we got to watch that and he got to stand outside the dressing room for autographs, got every player except Ryan Smith. Uh, Big George was the last one that came out, signed a hat for him as well. And he gives us an oddly specific detail about that hockey game there. Said the Oilers lost the game, but he distinctly remembers a play late second, early third period where the Flames scored. It was unclear if it went in, so play continued. And then the Oilers scored at the other end of the ice. They reviewed it. The Flames did score, so they took away the Oilers' goal and gave it to the Flames. Um, I don't remember that happening um, because I was very young and don't remember that game, obviously. But do you guys have any recollection of that happening in an Oilers game? The two- I was really say, what year would that have been? He said anywhere between 2000 and 04, so a pretty big window. Yeah, I kind of, it, it seems familiar. I don't yeah. remember it like vividly, but like I remember yelling at the TV for getting robbed on a goal. Okay. Yeah, that's about it. I can't, I don't remember what I was wearing or which TV I was watching or <laughs> I might have been at the game. Says he's never had Oodle Noodle, but it sounds fantastic. Expand down south. So another podcast listener who wants Oodle Noodle in the Calgary area. His uh, his answer to the bonus question, which is, what's the most exotic place you've ever listened to the podcast? Says he's been traveling all over Canada for work, so he's listened in a plane a bunch of times. And he says, if that doesn't count, Brockville, Ontario is his answer. Yeah. And Shout out to the people of Brockville. He put this at the end, and he goes, so you'll read anything I write? I'm a very naughty little boy. Chalmers didn't cheat. I'm Tyler Uremchuk. <laughs> Ron Burgundy. Wow, okay. Electronic Jordan is your burner account? <laughs> I, apparently. Okay, right. so there's like, I, I kind of wish that we would get to see more from people like Electronic Jordan because he is very active. He's all, He was probably the first. I think actually he sent me a message saying that he was the first person to get. Yeah, I am a loyal listener, Chalmers. I started the Fantasy League, even though I've done shit in it this year. That was his last message to me on Twitter. But I don't know anything about what he looks like, how old he is. Do we know any of this in his profile? He has a white... God, God, my mic is terrible. uh, I've uh, got to temporarily tap out of the podcast. 
is real life. Got a text saying, can you call me ASAP? Okay. Real life. I'll be right back. See you, Jake. Okay. Um, when Jake comes back, we might also be joined by Jeff Wojtka, former NHLer. Oh. <laughs> We're going to talk to him a little bit. Um, so that might just happen. And Jay will pop back in at a random point, And Jeff Wojtka will be like, what the hell is going on? How many people are on this podcast? Um, okay, that was interesting, and I totally lost my train of thought because of it. Well, how old and how, like, because we know, oh, we well, know. He has a wife and two guys. kids. Yeah, so, I mean, he could be anything. He'd be 20 to 50. <laughs> I guess. I don't think he's 50. Uh, I would say, my guess is that he's like 30. Okay. Couple young kids, uh, maybe, maybe 35. I'm very <laughs> interested to talk with him because I have done a lot of houses with a lot of different types of systems in them. Uh, we used to do this one called the Connect Four, and then it was called Connect Five, I think. And these things were so cool, but they they got so like basically you were putting iPads into your walls yeah. one year, and like two years later, everything was wireless. So you spent all this time putting wires in your house, and then everything went wireless. Like that technology has moved so fast. I'd be very interested to find out how he keeps up and how just like. I don't know what what's well, the ne- what's the next thing to come for him. He's well, an interesting guy. I didn't know that's what he did. I like to ask people this sometimes. Chalmers, what did your first cell phone look like? My very first cell phone was a Panasonic, and it looked like um, if I could a, a, like a stick of butter. That's what it looked like. Just black. like a little brick one. Pretty much, yeah, just like a little brick one. <laughs> well, you know what? My parents used to have the gray Motorola. Remember the gray Motorola? Yeah, fuck yeah. It just had the flip down bottom. Yeah, that was my parents. My dad had a cell phone that was in a bag that he had a cord. Bag phones were the best. I worked at a cell phone <laughs> store for a long time, and there was guys that worked out at camp that they would they would go legit find bag phones because that was the only way to get reception up there. Yeah, my dad used to have one of those in his car. He thought he was pretty sweet because he had one of the first cell phones. Can that someone to, explain to me uh, what that uh, is? Uh, a, bag a bag phone? phone? Yeah, I don't know what that is. I've never there, heard there, of this. There was, there was so much that came with the phone because it weren't small that it was basically like, a landline phone, but in a bag that you could take and put in your car and plug it into the cigarette lighter. It would give it power and you'd literally have like a phone with a cord that the cord went to the bag where you dialed the number. It was like a transmitter and then it had a big antenna on it. And that's probably why these guys got better service. It had way more antenna mass than some of the other cell phones back in the day. But yeah, it was a straight up leather bag. It actually looked kind of stylish. Like a, as we as we wrapped up that listener survey chalmers i got a dm on this would have been on saturday this is from josh and this one was specifically directed to you so people can dm if they want they're open oh slide in it says can you just let chalmers know that not everyone that is an avid listener of the real life podcast submitted a listener survey but there are a silent majority that have been listening for years and will continue to do so merry christmas i hope frank is well and also chumming the water is cheating regards keep nude forever (laughs) <laughs> oh, I love it. I love it. I, I got to share, share with what just happened. I had a text message that says, can you call me ASAP? So okay. Was I it from Wanye? I'm not going to say who it was from. Okay. And then I call and I'm like, okay, is everything okay? Uh, oh, yeah. No. I'm like, everything's fine. I'm like, I'm too, I'm like, I left the podcast to call you. To call, can you call me ASAP? And they're like, oh, yeah, sorry. Just go back on your podcast, and then proceeded to tell me everything they wanted to tell me, and kept me on the phone. Was it so, a was it well, an ASAP request? I don't think text? you actually told us anything there. To be honest, well, because I'm protecting identities. <laughs> I'm just sharing in real time what happened. They just said because basically I called. They're like, oh, it's not a big deal. Go back to your pod, and then they proceeded to tell me everything that they wanted to tell me. Did you tell them that this was a blatant misuse of the ASAP acronym? Yeah. Oh, I was like, I'm like, you said ASAP. I'm like, and then they said everything, and I was like, hey, I'll think about that, and I'll call you back later. And um, they weren't happy with that. This was like sending you a 911 page in yeah, the middle of the podcast. That was a 911 page. I know who this was, and I don't even have to think about it. I'm not going to say who it is. Yeah, no, yeah. yeah, I won't say who it is. But I'm almost positive I know who this probably was. Yeah. Okay. Um, <laughs> all right. We got, a, we got a guest coming up on the podcast. Always love when we can uh, get a chance to chat with a former NHLer. And I'm excited for this one. Uh, Jeff Wojtka, who is one of the few people who can call themselves Edmonton Roadrunner alumni, is going to join us on the pod. Um, he also played in the World Juniors in 03. He was a first-round pick, 27th overall. For a product of Vermilion as well, so a small town guy 
that found a way to make it to the show. And uh, he also got to coach one of the most exciting prospects in the Oilers system, Carter Savoy. Uh, Jeff Waywitka now a head, or an assistant coach with the Shirt Park Crusaders. He got a chance to to work with Carter for the last couple of years. So we'll chat a little bit about an exciting Oilers prospect as well with uh, with Jeff Waywitka, who joins us now on the Real Life Podcast former NHLer, now head coach, or assistant coach, sorry, of the Sherwood Park Crusaders. Well, don't give me that much credit. (laughs) (laughs) That's a detail that I should not be getting wrong. Um, And before we get into the hockey stuff, you said you're out out on the farm right now in Vermilion? Yeah, I just came out about uh, about four days ago. I'm just uh, just out, and it's about, I'd say about 10 miles uh, northwest of Vermilion, and we're just, uh, grew up here, and Mm. uh, my my family still lives here. My mom and dad and then my brother and his family just live about a mile up the road on their own farm and that they raise a few cattle and horses. But the main farm is here uh, that I'm at and run some, we do grain farm and my dad still has a few cattle. So it's, it's quite the business, but it's, it's fun and it's good to get away from the city. So I have family that's from Vermilion as well. And the one thing that I always there know, I, swear, I do. The one thing I always know, and I need to know if it's just like it for you too, are does your whole family still come out to that farm like all the time and just get together and have like family gatherings out there? Like, is yeah. it just like a hub for everybody? Well, it is. Yeah. And we like to call it a place where we, I always love coming back. Like I used to come back after I was playing hockey or that, this would be my home. And obviously I have the house in Shirt Park where I spend a lot of time at, but this is kind of my getaway and usually for Christmases or a Thanksgiving's or that we're all here. And this is kind of where we all gather and we get together and have one big dinner or that. And everybody can kind of, you know, catch up and it's, it's just good. And it's nice to be out in the country too, where, you know, you're not getting bothered by anyone and you kind of on your own little schedule. What's the outdoor rink scenario like out there on the farm? <laughs> it's good. I'll, I'm going to, I'd love to send you guys a picture. Yeah, do I've it. been out there with my, uh, with my uh, nephews and we have my brother built one and we usually had one at the farm here too, but he's got a nice one there where we, we get out there and we do some skating and we build our own rink every year. And that's, that's kind of where I learned too. And we learned a lot of stuff out there. You learn more than you think when you <laughs> yeah. around and, and not be on a schedule. I yeah. Know. You know, not to get on the quad with old uncle, uncle Rob. That's all. Yeah. <laughs> if, it's, if it's past noon, don't get on the quad with uncle Rob. Exactly. <laughs> well, yeah. uh, so you mentioned like, that's kind of where your hockey roots were. So like on that farm, on the outdoor rink, is that kind of where you, your big development years kind of were then? Yeah, you bet. I like, I like my dad was, uh, my dad was really involved in hockey and he was, you know, my dad played a little bit of, with the Red Deer Rustlers a little bit. Not didn't go very far, but my dad's dad passed away when he was fifty nine. So my dad ended up taking over this farm when he was twenty years old, and he ended up just having. You know, we this is where our farm was, and he ended up teaching us. And I owe a lot of credit to obviously my parents and my dad for. You know, obviously, I think they were. He was ahead of his time in the teaching side of it. You know, when I would, when I ended up moving on, and I owe a lot to to him for sure. I, I love the contrast of you learning the game out on the family farm on the outdoor rink to now you're coaching junior hockey, where, I mean, some of these kids that come into the program in the AJHL, like they've had specialized coaches for five years already and all that stuff. It, it really is fascinating to look at the difference of, of how the development years can kind of go now, hey? Yeah, absolutely. It's, the game has changed a lot. And I just remember even when I was playing in the Western Hockey League in Red Deer, back in the 2000s, early 2000s, 01, 02, like, obviously, I think the, the AJ was a little bit different than it is today. Uh, I think you're you're seeing a lot more, obviously, a lot more studs coming out of the league now as far as higher draft picks. You're probably top two lines and your top four D pairings now are, you know, legit could play in the Western Hockey League. Uh, so the gap has closed there in, in a lot of cases. And, and it's, closed too because guys want to take a different road and slow up their development a little bit and give themselves more time to develop and have the opportunity to work on their skills get stronger where where me i was i was a bigger kid at six three and i got pushed pretty hard i think when i was in when i was in junior and i came out of pro and ended up playing in american league at 20 but i still think i was forced a little bit too quick and i wish the process was slowed up a little bit even though i was a bigger kid you know i was still needed room to develop and and build confidence too when when you were a young kid in vermilion what was the organized hockey kind of like there like did you have to go far away to get like a good competitive team for you to play on 
Well, I ended up playing my first till first year Pewee in Vermilion. Had a you know a few good coaches here too, and learned a lot. I didn't move away until my second year Pewee. I went to St. Paul and played Pewee Double A uh, in St. Paul for one year, and then I switched. Uh, and my Bantam uh, year at my midget, I went to uh, Wainwright to play with the Four Kings. So I ended up playing a couple years there. I ended up playing my first year Bantam with the Four Kings, and then my second year Bantam, I went to uh, midget Double A. Uh, when I was a second year Bantam. And then I, from there, I got listed with Red Deer and played in the Western League at 16, which is probably unheard of now. Yeah, <laughs> definitely. Um, you had some good teams with that. That that Red Deer Rebels team was good teams, eh? Yeah. No, we had a lot of, like, I think I was talking to Carter Sears last year, our head scout. Um, he was at a few of our games scouting. You know, they were all watching Benning and Savoy and a few other players on our team. And he says there were 17 players off that team that played an NHL game. Yeah, when wow, you look wow. at and, and and you know what the fu- the best part about it is when you played your first year, it was mostly just Alberta and Saskatchewan boys on that team. Yeah, there, and there was one guy from BC and <laughs> like, but just no, like just no, you know, Europeans or anything at that time. No, Sutter, Sutter just loved his big farm boy. Dude, <laughs> <laughs> and, and you got you got Ross Lupuschuk from Edmonton who played CAC. Like this is a, yeah. a cool team. Yeah, it was. It was. It was a great team and a lot of good players who ended up having great junior careers uh like Mapletoff led the league i think that yeah. year and he was an unbelievable player and my defense partner jim vandermeer was a beast like oh, you guys, guys you must have felt you're you're a big human at six three right now and with jim vandermeer sure i felt, I felt safe out there with yeah. you <laughs> top six scores on your team had over 130 penalty minutes each yeah. in the league that's oh, awesome. That's so good. Big no. tough guy like Vandermeer. Yeah, no, it's it, always looking back, and we had a that was a pretty unique team with, built with like we had Martin Erat. Yeah, that was your first Russian to come yeah. in. First Russian, <laughs> first, 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 first European. Sorry, from Czech. Yeah, and we had a bunch. We had skill and toughness, and it was a it was a pretty unique team back then for sure. For you, like, is is that when you got to Red Deer? Is that kind of when you started to think, like, okay, you know what, this could actually become a career for me? Like, the NHL is a realistic possibility, or was that something you just kind of believed your whole life? Like, you just knew you wanted to eventually play in the NHL? Well, I think uh, starting in, you know, everybody had a goal. I think when they were younger, like, oh, if you can play in the Western Hockey League at sixteen, you got a really good chance. You know, like that's it's hard to do, and it's. You know, whether you, you know, it's just a kind of a learning you for you or not, it was experience. And I think that kind of built the the stature as far as me building my blocks towards, you know, thinking I, you know, I could end up being a player or, you know, I just got to keep working. It almost gives you confidence when you play at that young. It gives you confidence to keep building and it gives you something to strive for, which, you know, you know, when you're at any level you play at, you got to build and you got to be excited about and, and something to strive for. You know what I mean? Like yeah. it's got to, something's got to push you along the way. And that just ended up pushing me. And I ended up having good coaching and Brent Sutter. And, and we went, ended up playing on some really good teams, which fell into place there. My draft year, like I said, we won the Memorial Cup when I got drafted, which didn't hurt. And me and I think Colby Armstrong went in the first round that year, which was good and then the year after that it kind of led into the world juniors which made the team at uh played in the world juniors at 19 so it was it was kind of a pretty unique junior career and you know you look back and it was like wow it's pretty hard to do yeah at that level right so do you get a little do you get a little uh reminiscent around this time every year thinking about world juniors and just them coming up and what do you think about what it was like when you played yeah i just remember like i wish the only thing I wish was back then we had the social media we do now. <laughs> like, we was played in Canada. It was at Halifax. And it was just, the stands were full. Like, it was just a, it was unbelievable. And that was the year we had, like, 2-2 on our team and uh, Upshaw. Um, I think Flurry was your goalie, right? Marc-Andre Flurry. Like, we had a team, like, you know, everybody loved 2-2 back then because he was the train coming in. He was the, he was <laughs> You know, everybody just wanted to see him. And I ended up rooming with Jordan Tutu at the tournament. And he was selling caribou jerky out of the... No way. Hotel room. And I'm like, what are we doing here? I'm like, they're selling jerky out of this room. Like, oh, my God. How much did he have? in and out the whole time. And it was, it was pretty amazing. Like, looking back, like, those stories don't happen now, right? <laughs> no, you guys had a cool team. Unreal. 
<laughs> yeah. uh, so, what what was that tournament like? Like you mentioned, you know, the stands were packed. Like for you, was that just a whole nother world? I mean, the WHL is a big deal, and Red Deer draws great crowds as well. But I'd imagine that's just a totally different world getting a chance in that tournament. Yeah, absolutely. And I still remember to this day when I first got made it because they phone your room, and if you got a call around two thirty or three in the morning, whether it was to you or your buddy, you knew it wasn't good, and you didn't want to answer that phone because the first year. At 18, I got cut, and I was rooming with Duncan Keith, and I ended up getting sent home that year, and he made the team. And me and Duncan were always, you know, we played against each other when he was in Kelowna, and, and he, we became pretty good friends at that tournament and throughout our, throughout our junior career. And then the next year, when I did make it, I was rooming with Trevor Daly, and I'm like, oh, no, here we go. Somebody's going home here. <laughs> and the phone rang, and I answered it, and I said, Trevor, it's for you. But you know what? I can't be that mad because Trevor went on to have a really good NHL. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, no doubt. And you can say to him, look, man, I was you last year. Like, don't yeah. worry. They might have made a little mistake there. But <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> That's all right. Uh, young Alex <laughs> Ovechkin good. would have been in that tournament as well, right? Yeah, we played when he was with the Russians. Yeah, we lost to them in the final that right. year. Yeah, so we uh, I ended up scoring the winning goal with four minutes to go against the U.S. in the semifinal. Holy! That wow. and that place erupted. And I was like, that was like the highlight of my obviously that tournament and a lot of big times for my junior career was that moment there. You know, you know, like what I think is different about the World Juniors from now and to, and to back then is whenever you started the tournament, the very first game, there was a point to go out there and every single person had to lay the body one time. A big one, too. And you don't see that anymore. But that, like, no. just set the trend for the tournament. It let them know you can't mess with the Canadian boys because no. they're coming in to, to hurt, like, people. 100%. And, I, and, and I, you don't see that anymore. Like, I, this year, like, last year, I've noticed that for the past couple of years. You don't get to see that. So no. how good does it feel going on your first shift and just knowing, look, I get to fly somebody. <laughs> exactly. No, and that was what it was all about. That's why Tutu got so much respect and even, like, even – uh even a couple years after that, when Dion Phaneuf laid out those two guys, the double Dion, they call uh, it. Yeah. Like, it's just like you know, in one in one shift, you get one, five yeah. almost like 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 goal scoring applauses in yeah. the whole ring. And I couldn't was, even imagine that what was that like. Felt. The, that was the tournament. That's that's a great point because it's total. It's different now. There's more. Obviously, it's more of like the pro game where the, like the NHL where there's more skating, more swinging. There's really it's all about angles now rather than finishing the guy. Right? I, so, yeah. I seem to recall um, you guys had it out for Ovechkin, did you not? And just single him out and just ran. Didn't you like, just, run him out of the building? Yeah, I remember like we were, you know, Mark Havshide was our coach there. And he preached to us like this kid's a young kid, but he is good. Like just be, be aware of him. Like cause we, Alex was just starting to come up because he was, he was like an, he was an under, he would have been what, 17? On that team, he was 17, yeah. yeah. He was 17, so he was pretty young then. And, like, we were, you know, I was I was 19 then, but I just remember, like, my first glimpse of him, and I'm like, this, I couldn't believe it. I'm like, wow, how good this kid is for that young, you know? Like, and you don't had, realize. He had the visor you couldn't even see through, right? No, like, he had the tinted visor yeah. and everything. Like, oh, yeah, he was. that wasn't a reason to want to run him. I don't know what yeah. was. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I so, before the World Juniors, you mentioned getting drafted first round, twenty seventh overall, the Philly. What what was that day like for you? I mean, hearing your name called. I mean, in the first round, nevertheless, as well. Yeah, it was probably the first time my parents ever got off the farm. They actually <laughs> flew down to Florida, <laughs> and we all had we had a family vacation there. And we just we I think it was three or four days we flew down there for. And I just I just remembered it was the funnest time. It was in Florida, Fort Fort Lauderdale. Fort Lauderdale there and we just got together and we kept it you know I had to do a few interviews when I was there and and you know do some little bit of testing extra testing before the draft and it was just kind of like it was a lot on my mind but it was also exciting because you know I was ranked in that 15 to 30 range and you just never knew where you were going to go once you sat down and I just remember that day I was just sweating and it was just it was hard it was a hard day but you know obviously sitting there and then getting your name called and then going on stage and with Bet or Batman was there and then uh, Bobby Clark and then uh, Paul Holmgren were on stage with me and I was picture I have hung up right now and it's I love it it's, it was, it's a cool picture but you it must have been 
Oh, it must have been pretty wild going from being a small town Alberta kid to NHL draft. Right at the time, did you think about any of that, or was it just kind of all flying in your face as a kid? Well, I think I think when you look back, you know, you always you always you know you're thinking like, wow, you know, that it's pretty incredible as you look back now to think about how hard it is to make it and to to get to that point, and then and to, you know to meet all the people that you met along the way, and how hard and how much work it took how many little, you know, the progressions you had to make. Um, I still uh, I still like coming back, though, and I still like it. Right now, I, just, I love giving back to the younger kids, and I like helping them out. I love teaching. Um, I wish, you know, I, I'd like to get my own thing going more or less sometimes in the summer where I'm doing more of like a defensive camp or more one-on-one stuff with, with a lot of these kids in my own time. So that's something I'm going to maybe look for, look into uh, as the progression here continues and just because of what I've learned here with the Crusaders and the side of it it's it's a lot different than the playing side that's for sure when did uh when did the idea of coaching kind of come to you was was it something you've always wanted to do or was it later on in your career that you wanted to become a coach well I my last uh, year was in Germany I played in the DEL and then I took a year after that and I put I I ran an academy with Wade Burke with uh, St. Thomas Moore I don't know if you guys know him out there but yeah, he has a new program out here. Do you know what it's called? That 200 Hockey. 200 Hockey, that's the yeah, one. Yeah, so yeah. he started that a little after, but he kind of got me going, and he got me a little bit involved with the academy. And then, you know, and then I kind of, you know, I like doing it. I like going out there. And then one day, I think it was in uh, in August, Adam and Kyle, and I knew Kyle from before when I used to know, uh, I used to skate with Kyle during the lockout years they let me skate with the Crusaders and I knew Kyle and Kyle spotted me at the home depot. And, and uh, he says, there's your new, uh, there's your new assistant coach, Adam, because that's when Sean Bell had just went yeah. to Nick with uh, Tim Fraggle. So that's kind of opened the door for me to get in with the Crusaders. And it's been, it's been good because we, you know, we've coached some good teams and it's been convenient for me in a sense where I'm five minutes from the rink and I can do my thing. And, and it works good, you know. So I've I've enjoyed my time there, and I've enjoyed every minute learning and and uh, coaching some really good hockey players along the way. Well, that, thank you for all the wonderful work you've done with Carter yeah. Savoy. Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> what a player! Like he's he's, but that you can't teach that. What he has is a gift that, like I think I heard Bob Stoffer say on uh, on six thirty, he said he could be the steal of the draft. And he's turning out to be right now. <laughs> I, as somebody as somebody that watched him play, was it almost surprising to you to see him go in the fourth round where a lot of people had him going kind of maybe in round number two? Well, that's what we all kind of thought maybe leading into it. We, we were maybe a little bit, I think, shocked that he went, he dropped the, the fourth. But I think guys were questioning his, this and that. But we never questioned that at one point. He's just a hockey player. He's almost like that effect. A Vetchkin type where he gets one shot and it's in the net. Like he, he plays well defensively. He does what he has to do, but when he gets the puck, he puts it in the net. So you, it's hard to teach guys that can do that. And he's proving at it at the next level in a hurry. When, when he was dropping down the draft like that, and you know, I heard the same things like that. People were like, oh, it's his fitness or oh, he's bad yeah. body language. And like, I mean, I watched him for two years too, and it was frustrating to hear that because it's like, that's just such a lazy narrative to throw at a player who, like you said, he has the thing you can't teach. Like, that goal-scoring touch he has, that ability to get to the soft spots in the offensive zone, like, you can't teach that stuff. And teams, it felt like we're passing up on him for just an incredibly lazy narrative that really wasn't true. No, it's, he's, he's got a release that, like, it's, it's so quick. I've never seen a release so quick, and it's the puck's on his stick, it's off his stick. And I don't know where people are getting the work ethic because he wanted to be the first guy on the ice for practice every day working on his shot. He's like, he come to me, he's like, Jeff, I need to work on my shot. I feel like I need to get some reps in. And we'd go on the ice early, work on shooting, work on our, you know, catching, releasing, just the little things. And he was always a guy that came to the rink with a smile and wanted to get better. No different than Mike Benning, who's doing marvelous things too in his, uh, in his college career too. And those two are going to be players and they're two good picks and both teams should be really happy with what they got there. Are you at all surprised at how quickly they've adjusted to the college hockey game? Cause I mean, they're, they're producing like they're back in Sherwood park again. Yeah, no, they don't. There are two kids that do not let anything bother them. Like they just, they're oblivious to the outside world and they don't really know what's going on. <laughs> That's you know, also a skill. Rank. They just, they just, they're hockey players and they're born to be hockey players. And that's all they're, when Carter Savoy got interviewed, he's like, you know, what did you, 
He's like, I just want to be a hockey player. I was on this earth to be a hockey player, and that's what he's doing. <laughs> and that's hard to teach that, right? And yeah. and he knows he's good, and that's scary, right? So. <laughs> Former NHLer Jeff Wojcicki joining us on the Real Life Podcast. Uh, we got into the coaching there a little bit, but I got a couple of other questions just about uh, your own career. If you count the trade of that 27th overall pick, I mean, you were technically traded three times before you ever played an <laughs> NHL game. I mean, for you, like as a young guy, was that like frustrating for you to just be always thrown into these moves? And they were huge trades as well, like the Comrie deal, the Pronger deal. What was that like for a young kid to be getting traded that much? It was awful. It was awful. No. <laughs> no, I was, you know what, looking back, I'm like, I'm taking the good with that as far as, you know, uh, I know my uh, stint in Philly, I, I spent a half a year there, my first year pro, and then I got, uh, and then I got, uh, I got traded. And what happened on that, when I was traded my first year, I'll tell you a little story. Paul Holmgren came down and it was my, about my 20th game of pro in American hockey. He came down and the both ranks are connected in, uh, Silly, right? You got the, you got the both practice breaks. You got the Flyers on one side and the Phantoms on the other side. So Paul Hunger's coming down and he's grabbing me. And it was after my about my twentieth game. He comes and grabs me in the in the dressing room in the Phantoms room. Says, "Hey Jeff, how you doing?" I said, "Oh, I'm doing pretty well." He's like, "Would you mind uh, just you know coming up and Bobby Clark wants to talk to you for a minute, see how things are going?" So I'm like, "Oh man," I'm like, "Okay, sure." So he's asking me how things are going, and uh, I said, "Oh, things are going good." So as we're walking up to see Bobby Clark. So I get into, get up to Bobby Clark's office and it's sitting between half upstairs in between both rinks. So we can watch both practices. And he calls me and I sit down. He's like, Hey Jeff, how you doing? I said, I'm doing well. How are you? He's like, doing well. He's like, I just want to make sure you're all settled in. Everything's going good. And you're getting comfortable here. I said, no, I, everything's good. The guys are good. I appreciate it. Everything's good. He's like, well, if you're good, I'm good. I just wanted to do that, do the check-in with you. So go downstairs. Two weeks later, I get the Paul Holmgren comes down, grabs me. Same thing. I'm like, oh, what the fuck does he want? <laughs> like, what's going on here? I'm doing well. Like, everything's good. <laughs> like, what do I need to go back up here? And, you know, I sit down. I go upstairs. Paul Holmgren grabs me. I go upstairs. Bobby sits me down. He's like, hey, Jeff, how you doing? I said, oh, I'm doing well. Everything's good. He's like, well, I just want to let you know we traded you to the Edmonton Oilers uh, in exchange for Mike Comrie. I said, oh, man. I'm like, First of all, I was like shocked, but second of all, I'm like, wow, I get to go home. I'm like, this is, this is incredible. I get to go back to Edmonton. I but I probably knew I was going to the minors, which their minor team was in Toronto with the Roadrunners at that time. So I ended up going from the Phantoms to the to the Roadrunners. But it was it was an amazing experience. And uh, one thing that one thing I like to ask guys that made it to the show, like when you finally got that taste in St. Louis, did you ever have like a holy shit, I'm in the NHL moment or something like that, maybe where you're lined up at a face-off and you kind of look at who's coming down the other way. Is there anything like that that you can kind of remember? Yeah, my first game was against the Detroit Red Wings in St. Louis. Wow. And that's when Hasek was in net with Lidstrom, Rafalski, Brendan Shanahan, Steve Eiserman, Jasper Zetterberg, and I said, <laughs> I don't belong out here. <laughs> this isn't for me. Jeez. So, wow. Just the Hall of Famers and like the like that's what a game to start with. I think we ended up losing 4-2, but that's the year I think they ended up winning a cup that year, but they were just loaded. Like, you know, Holmstrom was there, Franzen, like just Beast and just Stan Cleary. Like we had, just looking at some of those guys, you're like, incredible, right? So, What a way to work out the nerves against the oh, Red Wings. Yeah, no kidding. Yeah. Oh, it was just... <laughs> Holy... <laughs> Uh, you, so, you did get to play the one professional season in Edmonton with the Roadrunners, right? When they when they yeah. came here during the lockout. Yeah. I mean, what what was that one year getting to play in Edmonton like? And also, what was the AHL like that season? Because it, it was loaded up as well, right? Oh, yeah. Yeah, no, the AHL was good. Like, we ended up that year, we ended up having Derek Stoll and Torres on our team. And, you know, Brad Winchester, Brodziak, um, Toby Peterson, Tony, Tony, Tony your, your leading scorer, Tony Salmalainen. Damalina, yeah, and then R- Yanni Rita was there too. Oh yeah, remember Yanni Rita? Yeah, yeah. he was on the back at Rocky Thompson. Oh, dude. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. 231 penalty minutes. A guy named Dan Baum who wasn't far behind him with two. Dan Baum was there. Yeah. No, we had a. It was a good team, and obviously, like like I said, playing in that league at that time, like there was a lot of good players, and the league was. It was a, you know, it was almost that perfect time where it was like halfway between the NHL and 
you know, it wasn't such a big jump. So it was actually a really good development year and good hockey at that time. That's for sure. You had friend of the podcast as your assistant coach, Kelly Buckberger. What's it yep. like playing for uh, killer Kelly Buckberger? Oh, he was a classic. Like he was, he was a guy that just loved to be on the ice. He was a jokester. He was always bugging guys. I think he, he was, I think he called Brodziak. He always said, he always called, his nickname was Pasanka because that's the Easter <laughs> or the, or the, or the uh, Yeah, yeah, the, the big uh, Easter egg. Out in, in Dragerville, he just called him Pasanka. <laughs> oh, yeah, because he's from St. Paul. So yeah. yeah, he's from <laughs> <laughs> Just called him Pasanka. <laughs> I love nicknames. I love hockey nicknames. There's absolutely nothing better because they have like four, you got to go through four different like avenues just to realize what it's about sometimes. Yeah. They're the best. Oh yeah! <laughs> uh, one of the other websites we run is hockeyfights.com. Uh, in your career, I, I was I had it up here on the site just exactly oh, how many. Don't remind me. My players and sure Bark remind me the whole time. <laughs> oh, I see, I see some scraps against some former World Junior teammates here. Yeah. Seabrook uh, oh, was some... in there. Tutu was in there. Wayne Simmons was in here. You throw. You, yeah, you, you're chucking them in some of these. Oh yeah, I'm really chucking them. I remember there was. I fought some, like, even against, uh, I remember fighting Steve Seos and Ethan Morrow. Uh, <laughs> oh, jeez. Just some old grizzled veterans that just couldn't, they were tough cookies. Like, they were, you know, Seabrook uh, was tough. Simmons was another underrated. Like, he just, you know, some of these guys, they just, they throw them and they're, you know, they're still skilled players that can, you know, they can handle themselves. And that's it's, it's impressive at that level for sure. Is is do one of those really stick out to you? Like your first NHL fight, I think that would have been uh, the one against Tutu. Jordan Tutu, right? Tutu, that was at center ice in Nashville, and he was chasing me around. He would chase me around in Red Deer. <laughs> I fought him eight times one year when we were playing against Red Deer and Brad, and he was chasing me around the rink every time. He would come off the bench, he would do this, and it just led into into the NHL. That's like it just. I just never understand. I never understand it. It's like the, the Yablonski and the Marassi being cousins and fighting on the ice. Yeah. You two were roommates at World Juniors. He just wanted to fight me. And now he just wants day. to fight oh. you. I do not get it. Did it have to do with the beef jerky? Did you steal I don't know. I don't know if I had that. Fucking guy. I didn't put any in my suitcase. <laughs> oh, man. Um, before we wrap up here, like I, I was just, I was going through your career here before we got going and like your career spanned over a really interesting decade. Like you kind of came in sort of towards the end of like the dead puck era. And then after yeah. the lockout, the game really, really transitioned. And I mean, in your last couple of years of pro, that's when things started to, I think kind of really start to speed up in the NHL. Yeah. Did you, yeah. could you feel that difference in real time as your career kept going? I, yeah, I could feel it like from my first first few years till till the end of it it was it was a quite a, an adjustment as far as you know your the feet your feet had to be moving it was a quicker game there was less clutching and grabbing like you watch games on tv from the 90s and you're just like wow what a it was a tough game too like it was still you don't it was still like everybody says it was so slow but it was still quick like it was still quick it was just hard it was hard to find room at that time but you know, for me, it was just, it was a, I was always a pretty good skater and I, I adjusted kind of well as the game speeded up because I felt like my skating was good and I could feel like, I just felt like it was more my type of game where the clutching and grabbing and the more, you know, I was a big guy. I, I played physical at times, but wasn't overly physical, but I always liked, you know, good stick, good gap, like good body positioning more so than crushing someone, right? So I felt like that kind of helped me out towards the end of it and it was but it was a massive change that's for sure i've always been quite though sorry um i did want to get one more question in about kind of your european stay uh playing for augsburg augsburg Panthers. Uh, yeah um just like i always am just fascinated by guys that go over there and what they feel like when they get there you know like you're from vermilion i know you've been i know you've been you know, around the world probably a little yeah. bit, but having to yeah. live in a country like Germany in Augsburg for two years, like what was it, what was it like just making that decision and then going and doing that? Well, I first, uh, my first time I went, I was about, it was about November. So it was kind of half a year where I just decided to go because there wasn't much offered over in North America. And I was, and it was, I think it was time for me to get over there. And if I wanted to do it, I had to go do it. So I ended up leaving in November, which 
you know, I was I was excited because I still was going to play, but I was also a little bit nervous because of like, you know, you're moving far away, the time change, everything's kind of, you know, playing a factor where you're like, geez, I hope this, you know, new country can't speak the language. Everything kind of yeah. You you've seen guys that come to Canada to play hockey, and maybe the language barrier is really tough for them, and they kind of maybe become outcasts on the, in, in a dressing room until until they can you know figure some things out. And now you're kind of stepping into that role, and I've always just like there's got to be some trepidation about it, that. It, it it took a little time, like it took a good maybe two three months before I got comfortable. But once I got comfortable, I actually enjoyed, it and it was one of my probably funnest times in my my playing career because you know it was more of like a laid back where you get up you go for coffee it wasn't like the fans were good like everything was just kind of it wasn't like the north american game where it was like the pressure it just seemed like there was a some tension taken off of that which you know guys would go over there and still play hard still battle compete and you want to do good but it was just it was more of like just a different mentality rather than being over in north america it was all like the pressure and just you know the the, this what's at stake, I guess, right? So. Yeah. And so, how do you pick a team like Augsburg? Like, are, are these teams that have reached out to you, or did you know somebody on the team, especially going half halfway through the year? Well, it was a tough. Like, I had to kind of. I didn't really know. I knew a couple players on there, but I didn't know too many. And I was kind of. It was almost like a shot in the dark. I just. My agent was telling me at the time that it was a good city. It wasn't overly big, and it was, you know, it was a good place to kind of get started in. Especially, I hadn't been over there. It wasn't like the place like Munich or Berlin, like where it was overwhelming. It was more of a smaller city where it was easier to get around, and it didn't seem so overwhelming. So I think that kind of helped me too, where it was more, you know, more kind of my cup of tea, where it was, you know, it took it was easier to adjust that way because I'm like I know living in New York. For one year there when I played with the Rangers it was it's overwhelming that is overwhelming I bet overwhelming so it just felt more laid back and it was more I guess I guess you can say it just like I had a chance to breathe and kind of get settled one interesting last question to, interesting to kind of look at your second year in Germany as well there's a bunch of there's a handful of Alberta boys on Saski boys here too so that must yeah. have been like a little oh, feeling from home Ryan, even though you're way way yeah, like Ryan Beta was on that team uh Mike Connolly um couple other kids uh who the heck was the other there was a couple other kids that played like they're american league kids or any played a few nhl games like it was it was a good team like but i we weren't like i just remember getting to like cologne and like they just signed that you know remember ryan jones that played with the oilers like he'd be there and like a few other guys that you know you look around the like the league and you're like holy man you can't you didn't even realize how many good players were over there at the time until you looked at the rosters like how you know there's so many good hockey players, and it's hard to even play over there now. Like, it's, as far as being a hockey player, it's, it's hard to, you know, they think everybody can just go to Europe and play. Well, you can't because it's loaded with good hockey players, and the trickle-down effect is huge because guys aren't playing even that long in the NHL now. Like, yeah. just think what this is doing to a lot of players, this, the pandemic right now, as far as kicking players out of the league. So so that, that kind of ties into my last question about European hockey. What's going on in a guy like Rob Brown's head? He was a defenseman that you played with in Augsburg. Now, he went there in 2004, straight after Colgate, and yeah. he's played in Europe until present time, meaning he spent over 16 years in Europe. That's so, crazy. Like, you well, go there, you must find, like, a wife or something. Like, you you, a lot some of people guys just fall that. in love yeah. with it, I guess, eh? Yeah, a lot of guys are fine, like, they... They a lot of guys who go there or go to Europe, they usually find, like you said, a wife or they get a home there and they just love it and they just won't come back. Like and I can feel players can get or people can get sucked into that lifestyle because it is a nice laid back lifestyle. Like they deliver mail around Augsburg on, on a pedal bike. They don't do it. It's just that's how the pace it is. Everything's just slow, you can get comfortable and you know, the food's good. Everything is just kind of just easier to adjust than it would you know than it is in North America where it's just a fast pace. Everybody's going like more pressure almost. Right. So, yeah. Uh, so, so you mentioned, you know, you wouldn't mind starting your own thing, working like one-on-one developing with players. Do you, do you ever like, do you want to eventually make it to like the pro ranks as a coach or anything like that? Or are you kind of comfortable with, you know, the junior life and maybe starting your own thing in, in a development process? Well, I, I, I think right now it's just more or less for me. It's just getting comfortable and getting the, the knowledge behind me and, and getting the getting the base where it's you know learning new things, learning new tricks. Like I met up with Rocky Thompson in the summer, and I picked his brain a bit as far as the coaching side because 
when you're not in the NHL or you're not around those people, it's hard to, you know, you can lose touch in what's kind of going on, little tricks, what they're working on, what's the new ideas. Like, I like to pick his brain on that. And it's a good option for me because it helps me go back to my players that I can, what I've learned, but I can also add things for them to teach them. So I think for right now, I'm comfortable where I'm at. Like, I had the opportunity to, Sutter had reached out to me a year, a year and a half ago and wanted me to go be his assistant there in Red Deer. And we and me and Kyle and Adam had to talk about it. And I just felt it wasn't the right time to go there. Obviously, it's right down the road, but that might be something in the near future. If I want to move up, maybe go learn with him for a little bit. That's always in the back pocket. So we'll see how it kind of goes from there. But right now, I'm content where I'm at and I'm working with a bunch of good people. So I'm happy. Jeff, uh, unless any of the other guys have another question, I really appreciate your time today, and uh, it was it was a fascinating look back at your career. <laughs> Thank you, I appreciate any time. I'm, you know, it's nice to meet all you guys too, and you guys stay safe and have a merry Christmas and uh, take care. Yeah, yeah see you, buddy. There we go. That is Jeff Wojcicki. Almost 300 games in the NHL. Spent a couple of years over in Europe as well. Now coaching the Sherd Park Crusaders out in the AJHL. That was. Great chat. Great chat. Really enjoyed having uh, Jeff on the pod. Uh, he was generally excited to talk to us. I, he seemed, uh, that seemed good. That was a very good chat. That yeah. was a good chat. What You know what? He he just, if you just ran into him at the Home Depot, I would just think that guy's a hockey player. Yeah. I don't, he just looks, sounds, and acts like a hockey player. I just love, I love guys like that. Yeah, he's got the jaw of a G.I. Joe figurine. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Man. Uh, well, like I said, as as that was going on, I had some had some scraps. I'm going to throw some into the article on Oilers Nation about it. But some of the scraps he got into, they they were chucking him. Oh yeah, they yeah. were going there. He, he, two, he two was a big ice. boy. He says he didn't play tough, but like it, it was in him. That's uh, yeah. He's I'm, one of my favorite stories. Like he said, the story of the Sherwood Park Crusaders coaching staff coming together in the local Home Depot, like everyone sort of running into each other and being like, hey, maybe we should just be the coaching staff from now on. It's hilarious. It's a great story. That's, uh, that's yeah. small town Alberta right there. Oh, yeah. Um, and I, I liked his insight on Carter Savoy as well. That was another uh, good good timing for this for this interview with him. We just need to make sure that we're always giving Jeff Waywick a credit for everything that uh, Carter Savoy does from uh, here on 100%, out. percent from yeah. here on out. Yeah. Because I always like I always like to be the, um, the the one that comes in and asks the questions about the things that other people might not know. Okay. I had totally forgotten how the Toronto Roadrunners became the Edmonton Roadrunners like during the lockout. Like I don't know if I just totally well I don't tend to remember things I don't care too much about, but old <laughs> old old fun like things like that. Like so, the lockout happens. And what happens? Like, why did we all of a sudden have a pro Roadrunners team? Somebody explain that to me. I don't yeah, totally remember. I don't remember either. Like, what was the timeline like of the lockout happening? And were they just kind of like at the last like, yeah, oh, no. fuck it. No, they, like, so they did it. They did it so they could still have hockey in Edmonton. But who did they play? Well, they played in the AHL. They just moved they them from Toronto, Toronto, right? Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. Oh, so like the A still played. And just like, yeah. so those guys were not like those. Any, none of those guys were like, full-time NHLers then at that time. They were just all so, still. Or the, or the ones still in their entry-level contract. That's why like there was like the pseudo-NHL. It was like the youth NHL uh, but, that and, year. Yeah. And then we also had the supercharged World Junior Talk uh, team that year. Oh, yeah, yeah, okay. But And so they, the, the players that were striking or basically being locked out, the ones, they, if you were able to go back to your entry-level, it was just around hockey. It was like, just known that it was okay to go back. Yes. Like you weren't. They were allowed to. Yeah, yeah. They were, and then and then the ones that were outside of their angel were going to play in Europe. Because like guys he played with Chalmers here is just looking at some of those Edmonton Roadrunners. That was Rafi Torres, Brad Winchester, Jared Stoll, Kyle Brodjak. So there's you know those were NHLers. So good team. Yeah, yeah. I just huh. watched him. I just watched this fight with Tutu. Jesus Christ! The, to have the sack to fight that guy that many times. That's the one. That's the first one I'm putting in the article. Is the first crap against Tutu because it is the sack underwear it takes. Is that a good segue? That is yeah. a good segue into into our friends at Twig and Berries who got some great stuff going on for the holidays. Uh, head over twigandberries.ca. They got the holiday gift box still up there, I believe. Don't forget if you use the promo code Nation15, you'll get 15 percent off your order. But yeah, they got a whole holiday collection up right now as well. They got some outdoor rink gear which looks really fresh, uh, you know, all that good stuff. They got stocking stuffers on the side. Their website is really clean. Like, it works well. And uh, if you order 
free shipping over $100 in Canada. Or if you're in St. Albert like me, free delivery right to your door. So how about that? So then you have no excuses not to get me the nut putty or what they've got going on. <laughs> nut putty. Uh, I'm trying to find it on their website. That What did we talk about last week? I totally forget what it was called. The, it, something something where there was like a bomb. The, the ball wash. Yeah. It's it's the whole gift box with the ball wash and the nut spray and all that stuff. Um, yeah. Find that on their website. Give a little, give a little spritz down there. The other, story, the other story that Jeff brought up. Jordan Tutu selling caribou jerky out of their hotel room at the World That's Juniors. That's sweet. I bet it was delicious. <laughs> That's the funniest shit ever, man. That's hey, so man, you funny. got a side hustle. Yeah, got a side hustle. Always like, on the grind. You're focused yeah. on the gold medal, but like you know, after practice, yeah, I got to meet up with someone because they're buying a couple packs of my caribou jerky. Like it's just great. That was great stuff. And how does one find out he has it? Like, well, that's word of mouth at this point. <laughs> well, he's working. That means he's, and that's without social media. So he's probably, he was working the phone. Yeah. When he, when Jeff said, I wish that we had social media back when I played at World Juniors, I was thinking to myself, I'm probably, like, I probably would have gone the opposite way. I'm probably yeah. pretty glad that you got to play in a time where there was no social media because I'm sure the World Juniors was a lot of fun for a lot of kids without parents there for the first time. And well, like they're hockey friends, and but, I think he wanted to live tweet all the caribou jerky sales. Right? Yeah, I mean that's, yeah. What, he, that's what he wanted. Tutu would have moved more units if he had a Twitter account. Exactly. Oh, big time. Um, yeah, I just want to add something from my personal life right now while I record the podcast. I'm looking out my Please window, do. and in the complex across the street from me, there's a, an older lady. I want to say she's in like her seventies, seventies or her eighties, and she's always out on her balcony smoking. She smokes a lot. And it's so cold out right now that she isn't going on the balcony. She just has her screen door open. And every few <laughs> seconds, I can see her lean up to the screen door and blow her cigarette smoke out of Might the Might as well be smoking in the house at that point. <laughs> oh, man. It's been incredibly distracting here because I'll just look and like, I can't see into her unit, obviously. But like her mouth just gets like close to the screen. And then I vaguely see her face and it's like smoke coming out. Was she just over there crushing rats or what? How many how many darts she go through in an hour podcast? I don't know. I haven't worked in I haven't recorded in my office for for like a month now probably. So I haven't had a chance to keep tabs on it, but I'd imagine she just put back two cigarettes and now the blinds are closed, so she's done, but whew. I wonder what she's is she going to watch her stories after this guaranteed? Probably, yeah. 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 Also, like she's on the second floor. That's a lot of stairs for an older person to be doing to get up to their unit. Anyways. She said have fun. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> all right let's uh, I, I don't know my brain's running on half cylinders today uh, yeah. what do you it's a good thing we had jeff Roy Whitka to carry the podcast today because no <laughs> oh, one's brains thank really, uh, god yeah you 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 texted this morning oh we got a guest i was like thank god i i think i, I got one other former oiler that might be able to uh join us this month also oh i want to bring this up do you guys see the new mighty ducks trailer i did yeah i did i think it looks Not legit yet. i think it looks good Wait, 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 wait! I didn't know. I didn't know it was a. I thought it was just a movie, but I didn't know it was a series. That's pretty cool. Oh, it's a series. I thought it was a movie. Yeah, yeah. I wrote about it on the Nation on Saturday, and somebody corrected me. They're like, "No, it's actually a series." So I really? hope they have cool like puck tricks and shit in this flavor for kids to try. Because I remember when uh, Russ Tyler pulled out the old knuckle puck in Mighty Ducks too. I was yeah. whipping that thing around at practice the following week. So I hope they have that kind of stuff for kids because that was the best. The Michigan. Yeah, I'm sure they'll have that. Oh, around. absolutely, the Michigan. Yeah. My, so you know what the the fun part about this too is it's like going to be on Disney Plus, yeah, like now. Well, like I, I think know. you can go watch this on Disney Plus. I don't think it's out yet. Twenty twenty one is when it comes out. Huh. Um, but Dylan Playfair's in it. He's uh, obviously the son of Oilers assistant coach Jim Playfair. And, so Letter uh, Kenny. Yeah, yeah Letter Kenny as well. Fame. It's a guy I'm trying to get him on the podcast. We'll see if that uh, if that goes anywhere over the next month. As you can imagine, that would he's, be amazing. A, he's a pretty busy guy with the projects he has going on right now. Um, all right, let's uh, let's wrap this up. Episode 239 of the Real Life Podcast. Uh, big shout out to Jeff Waywicka for joining us a little bit. That was a really good chat. We had another listener profile brought to you by our friends at Oodle Noodle. 10% of all in-store proceeds are, and curbside pickup as well, right, Jay? Yeah. And but it's also Nudesmith. It's Nudesmith. It's Nudesmith. Share the video. 12 days of Nudesmith. A bunch of local partners. We've all collaborated. We're giving away stuff for the next 12 days. All right. There you go. Check uh, it out. Draw, new new prize coming out around 3 o'clock every day, Tyler. And that's on Check at Oodle Noodlegram on Instagram? At Oodle Noodlegram. 
Oodle underscore Noodle on Twitter and on Facebook, it's just Oodle Noodle. So all three platforms get yourself a chance to win some cool stuff. Very cool stuff coming. And I'm also going to double down on the Oodle Noodle kind of announcement because we're going to be launching a video. There's so much going on right now. It's holiday season. We want to do a lot right now. So one thing that we're doing is we're partnering up with the Boyle Street. Um, I don't know why I said the Boyle Street. We're partnering up with Boyle Street. Um, and we're going to do a call to action. So we want to do a call to action to nation citizens. If anyone can, uh, we want to do, we're doing a fundraiser. If anyone can donate, you know, two, five, ten dollars whatever it is, if, if they can spare anything during this time to help support Boyle Street, Oodle Noodle is going to match your donation uh, up to, um, well, the, the, yeah, all we <laughs> We're going to provide, uh, hopefully we can top up everyone's donation to $5,000 to try to raise, even raise $10,000 for Boyle Street because they need some help right now. All right, good stuff as always out of Oodle Noodle. Also, I was I was super late getting to the ad read today for Twig and Berries, so I apologize for that, but make sure you check them out. There is still time to get that special man, that everyday caveman in your life, some Twig and Berries for Christmas. Promo code NATION15 gets you 15% off your order. All right, we will be back on Thursday with some betting talk with our friend Scott Hastings and I think an update on the mouse issue as well because Wanya should be around for Thursday's episode of the pod. Uh, for Chalmers, Jay, Bag Milk, I'm Tyler Rumchuk. Thanks for tuning in to episode 239 of The Real Life Podcast. Great job on making it through the entire hour of The Real Life Podcast. Don't forget to like and subscribe wherever you get your podcast from. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365 day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with and Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that and Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. When it comes to your finances, you think you've done it all. You've saved, you've researched, and you've invested all that you can. Now it's time to take those investments to the next level by using the brand behind every great investor, Yahoo Finance. As America's number one finance destination, Yahoo Finance has everything you need, whether you're a seasoned trader or just dipping your toes into the market. Join the millions of investors who trust Yahoo Finance to guide them on their financial journey. For comprehensive financial news and analysis, visit yahoofinance.com, the number one financial destination, yahoofinance.com.